1: That's great. I mean, it's almost like a, almost like a jam jelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super simple,
2: super super simple. Better than the canned stuff.
1: Ah, cranberry sauce—the eternal question: canned or homemade? Probably one of the biggest debates of the Thanksgiving meal. And yet, while for some of us this dish might be the last thing you really even think about when you're prepping your meal, our next chef has a recipe so enticing. And it just may convince you to serve cranberries as your main course. Think not? Well, just wait. His name's Sean Sherman, a James Beard award-winning chef, also a member of the Oglala Lakota tribe. Raised in Pine Ridge, South Dakota, currently living in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Chef Sean is committed to showing people some of the incredible dishes that can be made with foods indigenous to this continent. Today, he's going to take us through one of his favorite recipes, Ojapi, a traditional sauce made out of berries. It's a recipe that's sure to not only change the way we consider cranberries, but teach us something as well. I'm Al Roker. Welcome to Cooking Up a Storm. Well, 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 welcome, Sean. Thank nice to, so meet Thanks so for nice being to meet here. you. Thank so much. So nice to meet you. So thrilled to have you. <laughs> I, and, you know, look, I, I, I don't think people realize uh, what a real food town uh, Minneapolis is. Mm-hmm. And and you found this this place with your your uh, restaurant, Alumni. Tell me about it.
2: Well, we are right on the Mississippi River, and we're right on a really sacred Dakota space because there used to be this beautiful waterfall right in that area, right downtown Minneapolis. And it was called Awamni Yamni by the Dakota people. And we took the short name Awamni to celebrate this beautiful place to showcase what is modern indigenous food um, and really kind of utilizing a lot of wild foods around us and making food taste like where we are.
1: And and Sean, I I think what we're making today is basically uh, central to your restaurant, Alumni, you don't use uh, what you call colonized ingredients. Explain that.
2: Well, we cut out ingredients that weren't from here. So we removed things like dairy, wheat flour, cane sugar, beef, pork, chicken, things that were introduced to these lands. And we really focus on what were the foods of where we were or where we are. Um, so we utilize a lot of wild foods, a lot of native agriculture products like corns, beans, squash, maple, pieces like that. And just again, like try to make food taste like where we are and put a lot of representation into the indigenous
1: cultures of that region, which I think is is really important coming up for Thanksgiving. This is kind of a cranberry sauce, but a different take. Here's what you need to make Chef Sean's cranberry wojapi. Cranberries, rose hips, and maple syrup. It's that simple. For the full recipe, check the show notes or go to today.com slash food.
2: All three of those things live together. So you can find a cranberry bog in the, you know, in the Great Lakes regions. And you can look around and find wild roses and find maple trees. And all those ingredients live together right there.
1: And and the dish is called? Wojapi is what Wojopi. we call it. And in fact, this is something you grew up with. Your grandmother uh, would, would make this. Wojapi, which it's a Lakota word, uh, but using a different berry. How would she make it? What berries would she use?
2: Well, we traditionally use choke cherries because the choke cherry trees grew all over the plains um, around the Badlands and Black Hills and South Dakota. So we harvested a ton of choke cherries and then they would just cook it down with water and sweeten it if it needs to be sweetened a little bit. But for me, that aroma just sends me right back to being five years old.
1: So what, it, it, I mean, it's got, it, basically, if you count, not, don't count water, three ingredients. How do we start this?
2: All right, well, all we're going to do basically is just put everything in a pot. We added uh, 16 ounces or one pound of cranberry, um, a quarter cup of maple, two ounces of seeded rose hips, and two cups of water, <laughs> and let it go. Wow,
1: <laughs> this is going to be a tough one. It's,
2: it's a pretty simple recipe, um, and all of these, uh, both the rose hips and the and cranberries, have so much natural pectin that just thickens up so nicely.
1: By the way, pectin is a naturally occurring fiber that can be found in most fruits, and it's what allows fruit to become a jam when heated up. The more pectin a fruit has, the thicker the sauce becomes. In this case, as Chef Sean mentions, both cranberries and rose hips have a lot of natural pectin in them, which makes them prime candidates for sauce making. And it's
2: the simplest recipe in the world because it's just everybody has cranberries on their Thanksgiving table, mm-hmm. for, and this is just looking at it through a different lens. Um, we even put things like a cedar or pine or something to give it a little flavor of the oh, forest of where we are. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, so you're using frozen cranberries, but you could you could you use fresh?
2: Oh, absolutely! Because fresh cranberry season is great when it's here, and we utilize a lot of them. But the frozen cranberries, non-sugared, are so good. You know.
1: Wow. You know, know, it's funny you talk about cedar and I I had made a recipe this past holiday season that called for a a pine simple syrup. And I never thought that, you know, you just clean off the Christmas tree, <laughs> and, and you boil it with sugar and water, and you end up with a, a wonderful aromatic syrup.
2: Absolutely. Like, we serve a lot of wild teas, like a white cedar tea, sumac tea, pine tea, spruce tea, balsam fir tea, um, and those flavors are really wonderful, and they're all around us.
1: Now, in rose hips, I, where, where do you get rose hips?
2: Uh, well, you can find rose hips online. You can find them at some uh, health food stores. Uh-huh. Um, but we harvest a lot of them wild because they're all around the lakes. They're all around the forest. Um, they're all around the plains. Um, they're, they're. you know, it's just, it's good. We try to entice people to learn about the plants of their regions. Mm-hmm. And there's so much food and medicine and stuff that we can be doing with this. And some natural sweeteners really go really well with this stuff. Sean.
1: Sure. What, what are rose hips? I, I just, uh, all I can think of is like a flower that looks like Elvis singing, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it has nothing to do with that. What what are rose hips?
2: So if you know what a rose plant looks like, um, you'll find these little red kind of uh, blossom pieces on there. And as they dry up, um, they get really sweet and tart um, and it's a wonderful flavor. So i Harvest a lot of wild foods in the forests and on the great plains because that's kind of the area that I live in. And there's rose hips all over the place, and they're really fun to harvest. And you know, there's thorns, you have to be a little bit careful with <laughs> picking them. Um, and there's a lot of seeds in them, so they take a little bit of work. Um, but there's uh, plenty of places to find dried rose hips that are uh, seeded and sifted and easy to use. And you could literally just pour some hot water out over those, and it'll turn into a, a rose hip jam within moments. So that's a it's a wonderful little piece.
1: And if you don't have rose hips, what would you? Substitute.
2: You can use whatever you want to. I mean, like I said, when I grew up, wojapi was choke cherry, but we use lots of mixed berries. So you can do cranberry and blueberry, you can do cranberry and blackberry, cranberry and strawberry, like whatever makes you happy.
1: Coming up, Chef Sean Sherman sharing his take on the meaning of Thanksgiving. More after this. You know, we're we're talking about this dish for uh, Thanksgiving, which, you know, for the indigenous peoples of our country, it's got to be a complicated holiday. It
2: absolutely is. I mean, because if you look at the the pilgrim and the Indian story, you know, there's a lot of erasure going on. It's kind of like... Remember that time we had you over for dinner a few hundred years ago, you know, (laughs) doesn't talk about all of the uh, really intense trauma that happened to indigenous peoples, especially in the 17 and 1800s and even, you know, through the 1900s. And so there's a lot of repair work to do um, and we shouldn't be celebrating those stories that uh, really have no basis in reality, Uh, but we can be celebrating holidays to come together as people and as families and to celebrate food. And why not celebrate the food of the land you're standing on?
1: one of our central holidays in this country, um, based on, in, in a sense, this, this mythology that wasn't correct. Were you aware of that? Does it, did it make it a difficult time for you to celebrate growing up?
2: You know, it's, it's just complicated, like you said. So some, some family really embraced it and really loved the, the whole dinner, the whole classical dinner. And others were really upset about the whole story for obvious reasons. And so I have lots of family members that won't celebrate Thanksgiving particularly because of that. But I feel like we can grow out of that. I feel like we can move forward with it. I feel like that particular holiday doesn't have to carry that mythology with it. And we don't have to single out an entire culture with an untrue story. I really believe that we should use this holiday not to celebrate uh, myth, but to really use it to come together and celebrate just being together in the modern day right now today. And why not celebrate it with food what, was, where we
1: are? You know? I was going to say, is, is food the great uniter?
2: It really is, because we all have food in common. And, you know, cultural food is something that's really important. It's our identity. You know, we think about our parents and our grandparents and the foods that they pass down. And, you know, I want to see a world where we can find indigenous restaurants all over the nation celebrating the history and the land of where that might be. You know, what are some
1: of the goals of your your new restaurant, Awamni, in, in, in Minneapolis?
2: It's really to showcase that a modern indigenous restaurant can exist in this world. I feel like we should have indigenous restaurants in every single city because we're in these food capitals like Manhattan, like Chicago, you know, and there's zero Native American restaurants, which is insane because no matter where we are, we're standing on indigenous land and we should be, there should be healthy and happy representation of indigenous cultures and showcasing that diversity and celebrating that diversity through food and through story.
1: It's been a little bit, and the aroma is overtaking the kitchen as our cranberries simmer. Now, how long will you cook this down for? You only need to cook this for
2: about 15 minutes, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, it comes you know, you can kind of cook it to where you feel like the consistency is going to be where you want it to be. So...
1: How do you do? You want a, a, a smooth consistency, and if so, how do you how do you make that happen?
2: I feel like it's really a matter of preference because these things will break up so easily on their own, and you can break them up with just a whisk. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you happen to have um, an immersion blender and you want a really smooth sauce, uh-huh. then you're able to just buzz this up really quickly and carefully. And you have want to be really careful, of course, because it's hot liquid, and you don't want to spray uh-huh. everywhere. So. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: Carefully blend your sauce until smooth, just for a couple of minutes. Then keep it simmering until the sauce is thick enough to coat the back of your spoon. You know, I'm looking at this and, you you know, it would almost seem like if you had leftovers, you could freeze this and almost make a sorbet.
2: Absolutely. Yep. In the same, same situation because it's just the simplest of sauces. You can put it on sandwiches. You can, you know, put it on, use it as a salad dressing once Uh it's
1: cold. Oh, Wow. Still ahead, we're finally going to get to try that cranberry sauce and learn more about the importance of cooking seasonally.
0: Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries,
1: Let's give this a try. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's almost like a it looks like a jam jelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super simple.
2: Super, super simple. Better than the canned stuff.
1: That is really good. <laughs> good with Thanksgiving dinner. Also, flavorful enough to eat by itself. But growing up, Sean ate it with something else.
2: When I was growing up, it was fry bread, which actually has a lot of uh, interesting history too (laughs) when it comes from colonized foods. Um, But, uh, you know, I just love it with vegetables. I love it with this cornbread that we're serving with it today. And I think it's pretty much good on whatever you want to. We would just eat it straight when I was a kid, so.
1: Today, we've got this wonderful cornbread-like meal. Oh, this is a treat. Sean bringing his own version of cornbread made from ground corn and puffed rice. Almost tamale-like, these little guys are individually wrapped inside a corn husk. And the flavor? Well, the sweetness of the corn and the earthiness of the rice really balance each other out.
2: So we make these little husk breads um, at our restaurant. And it's just really simple because it's literally just uh, dried corn that's uh, cooked and then ground into a, a corn dough. And we're actually using some of this puffed wild rice. So we just take oh. wild rice because where we are in Minnesota, we have true wild rice growing around all the lakes. There's mm-hmm. like you know, 15,000 lakes in Minnesota. And there's so much of this. And we just dry toast it and it just makes a nice little snack.
1: Oh, this is toast. So you eat it just yeah, like that? Yeah, you
2: can eat it just like that. Don't eat the husk, of course, because that'll be tough to chew through.
1: That's crunchy.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's good. And then so this stuff, you just add a little bit of sauce, uh-huh. like so. So these little corn packets have uh, wild rice, a little bit of fresh corn, dried corn. And it's Hold just on, so here. simple. And again, you know, because of what we do, we're gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, soy-free, pork-free, you name it. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's healthy, and it tastes good.
1: Is this, in a sense, a seasonal dish, in that using different berries that are native and are in season at different times.
2: Absolutely. I feel like this is a perfect time, you know, into the fall season because cranberries come out around that time, September, October, and the rose hips are best when they're drying up and the leaves are turning color and they get a little bit sweeter. So it's a good time to harvest them in the wild if you know what to look for. Um, so I feel like it's a very fall recipe.
1: And and what's interesting about uh, this food and the, and the food you prep. Is that it, in a sense it's what would have been foraged.
2: Yeah, we just try to make food taste like where we might be. There's so much to explore when you start looking around the world and seeing all these plants with all these great tastes and flavors. Like I feel like the Western diets never really touched like the amazing flavors of where we are here. It's fun to think about that of you know, what were indigenous peoples utilizing for food and what was in their pantries and what were the flavors that they were playing with to create all sorts of recipes with.
1: It seems like a plant-based diet. has never been probably more popular and gaining more acceptance
2: you know, we celebrate a lot of plant-based foods. Um, I, myself, um, eat largely a plant-based diet, and it was easy for us to celebrate plants um, because we cut out dairy, so there's no cheese and all that stuff in our food. So if it didn't have meat on it particularly, then it was completely plant-based. over half the menu ended up being plant-based like that. Um, and, you know, it's good because you eat that food and you feel healthy. It uh, agrees with your stomach and your body, and it makes your mind happy.
1: This dish... Is is not only gorgeous, but it is delicious as well. And and seems to me that it would be a very versatile uh, a kind of recipe. In that you can pair this with different things.
2: Well, I mean, it's just a sauce, so I feel like there's no rules. You can do whatever you want to with it.
1: And I, I will tell you, uh, I think what is unique about bojapi that I don't think any other dish that we've prepared during this podcast. I I, I think that is the one thing. That literally can be from start to fish in a meal. It could be in an appetizer. It could be part of an entree. could be a dessert. I mean, this is probably the Swiss army knife <laughs> of Thanksgiving food.
2: It's extremely versatile, of course. Yeah. And again, like there's no rules. You can do whatever you want to with it.
1: So here we are 2021. What role do you think Thanksgiving plays today or should it play? It should
2: really be a celebration of harvest. It should be a celebration of coming together. It should be a celebration of being thankful and looking forward and just, you know, being with people that we love and uh, missing the people that can't be there with us.
1: A number of folks uh, that we've talked to on this podcast have talked about that, that, that Thanksgiving for them tends to be their favorite holiday because at its core, especially today, it's more about not so much what happened in the past, but what's happening now and why we are thankful. And, and it doesn't have a religious connotation. It, it's not about gift giving. It is just about celebrating what you are thankful for.
2: That's what it should be for, you know, and it shouldn't have this kind of nationalistic kind of uh, touch to it, you know, of celebrating um, again uh, this this pilgrims and Indians coming together situation where everything's good because it's not that simple. Like, there's a lot of things that we should address in our society of how this country was built and things that we need to do better to move forward. Um, And again, just it's celebrating more diversity, inclusivity. um, I think is going to be more important
1: and learning about a food's history or or the importance that an indigenous food. Uh, played in this country and continues to play. does that does that food history bring us or can it bring us closer together?
2: I feel like it can because I feel like if people truly understand how countless communities were surviving for thousands of generations before anybody else showed up on this land space and all the amazing diversity of food and flavor that was out there, um, there's so much to learn, you know, when you look at some of these bases, like the, the corn, the wild rice, the cranberry, the maple, the rose hips, like all those are from these regions, you know. Um, and there's so much history behind there. And there's so much connection to indigenous peoples with these foods. And we should be learning about those stories. It'll help open us up.
1: Mm-hmm. For you, um, what are you thankful for this year?
2: <laughs> um, I'm thankful for everything that we're able to do. I'm thankful for the work that we have, for the team that's behind us. I'm thankful for uh, being around all this wonderful food. I'm thankful for all these opportunities to tell these stories.
1: Sean, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks that's so much. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.
1: for listening if you like what you heard please give cooking up a storm a five-star rating and a review on apple podcasts and be sure to tell your friends and follow on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you're listening right now cooking up a storm with al roker is produced by ursula summer and phoebe curran along with researcher rachel young and audio engineer bob mallory our culinary team is led by Anthony Contrino and Carrie Parente with Stevie Stewart and Dawn Miller. Original music by Tavon Pennicott. Bryson Barnes is our technical director, Minna Thuria is our executive producer, Soraya Gage is our general manager, and Madeline Herringer, our head of editorial. Well, this is terrific. This is something to give thanks for. Awesome. This is wonderful.